Welcome to Mind Over Matter with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. I share stories of insight, personal experience, ways in which I and others have overcome obstacles, and the importance of perseverance. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am thrilled to have you here on my podcast, tuning in weekly as I share two episodes with you. My goal through this podcast is to inspire and empower as well as motivate you to move forward in life. I also provide one-on-one coaching, so if that's something you're interested in, listen all the way to the end for ways to connect with me. Welcome to episode number 183. This week, I've brought to you an ultra runner. We talk about pushing past limits and boundaries and the importance of a mind-body-spirit connection. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. I've brought on Jason Syme. Jason, welcome. Hey, good to be here, Heather. I'm stoked to have you on only because we connected. You're an ultra marathon runner, which I'm excited to get into that. But I, I don't even remember how we connected on Facebook. And I watched that, your REI video that you made. And I was just like moved to tears. That was during my marathon training. And I just freaking love the mindset aspect. But before we get into all that, give the listeners a little background. Where are you from and what do you do? So I'm originally from Iowa. I live in Denver, Colorado. And I would say in short, what I, what I like to focus on, what I do now is I focus on coaching individuals on wellness, health, how they take care of themselves to you know, fully shine in the world and reach their full potential. I do that for individuals. And at the same time, I do a lot of corporate and organizational trainings on wellness, performance in the workplace, you know, how employees and corporations can set up the foundations that they can use to take care of themselves in a better way. My company's right to shine. And I've been doing that for roughly two years now. There's a whole health transformation that leads me to starting the company and spend a number of years working on political and issue campaigns that sort of brought all those two things together. Well, and that's what I want to ask, you know, what was your health and wellness like prior? Well, that, that's a great question. I used to be this guy that was 75 pounds heavier than I am today. I had a very traditional Midwestern diet. Nothing, not, not there was anything wrong with that, but, you know, with the meat, the potatoes, the corn, the other vegetable I ate a lot was cover that all in ketchup. Um, I really didn't have an understanding of, you know, what a good, healthy, sound diet was. And more importantly, I didn't actually understand the holistic approach to health and wellness with myself. So um, and in 2007, I discovered yoga in Las Vegas of all places. And that sort of was one step that led to the eventual transformation in terms of my, not only my body, but of course, my, you know, my mind, my spirit. And eventually then led to me to saying, hey, you know, the body is actually pretty adaptable, right? It's pretty pliable. And why not try to run um, an ultra marathon or why not try to push your body in those limits too once I got to a pretty good health foundation. Did you have some sort of rock bottom with your health or an event that, that made you want to change and lose all the weight and go on this whole nother lifestyle? Yeah, I think there was a, a couple, I would say, those awareness moments that come in your life. Um, I had finished my first marathon way back in 2005, and I did that roughly, again, 50 to 75 pounds heavier than I am today, and I thought I was in incredible shape. I remember bragging to my friends, I, I just ran a marathon, I'm in amazing shape, 
And at the time, I started having heart palpitations, um, irregular heartbeat. And so I went to go see a cardiologist, and they ran me through the normal stress test. And the doctor at the time, the cardiologist, reviewing the results with me, and he has my shirt off, and he's saying, you know what, Jason, you're fine. I really think that what's going on with your heart right now is that you're stressed. Um, and he goes, and at the same time, and he took his hand, and he reached over and shook my belly and was like, and you need to lose this weight. You ran a marathon with this. You need to lose this. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> right? Like, wow. You know, at first I was pretty offended. I'm like, how, how dare a doctor do that um, and call me out like that? But at the same time, he provided honest feedback that no one was giving to me in terms of my friends and my social network and saying, hey, this is where your weight should be. So that created the awareness. And then second to that was... I had an opportunity to move to Las Vegas. I had been living in Iowa. Vegas, they're pretty different in terms of just what they are as cities. Um, and I remember driving out there and one of my friends said, jokingly, what if you become a heroin addict, Jason? Now, she was joking, but that sort of gave me a prism of like, if this is how my close friends and network is seeing me, like I'm that out of control maybe there is something wrong with me. And so with that, I had this awareness. And then when I discovered yoga, it was like, okay, I got to do something. What about yoga changed for you? Yeah, I think what the, you know, when your body, when you've been treating and feeding your body like junk, um, and you go into say my first class was a hot yoga class and you come out and you feel like your cells are vibrating with energy. You know, you just sweat out all these toxins. You moved your body in a way that you didn't even think was possible. You survived the class. There was so much of, I would say, that layer of crust and crud and filth was like broken down. And the true Jason, like the energy that I knew from my adolescence, my youth, my early um, adulthood, was back again shining. And I felt that after my first class in yoga, like the yoga glow. And I was like, holy shit, right? I didn't do a drug. It wasn't because I had 10 drinks or smoked a cigarette. It was this yoga. And, and after that feeling is what kept me going because the yoga itself was horrible. <laughs> like an hour and a half and hot, you know, in heat. And I sweat a lot. It was terrible. But the feeling afterwards is what I was connected to. Yeah, I totally get that. I remember the first many times I did yoga. I fucking hated it. It was painful. I hated being quiet. It was literally torture for me. And then it wasn't until I did paddleboard yoga where I felt, which must have been like you for hot, it was this grounding, this peaceful state. And I was like, oh, I want more of that. That was my new drug. Right. Yeah. And see, and it took you a couple times. It took a couple few times, right? And I think that's like always a good lesson in some of these things. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk ultra because so many people hate running, and the thought of even going to run two or three miles are like, no thanks. A marathon is a lot, but an ultra, like, talk to me about an ultra. What is an ultra? And and now you've done several. Yes. Um, so an ultra can be defined as anything that's really above 20, the normal marathon, which is 26.2. They are broken up in what normally you would be signing up in for any races are a 50K, which is 31 miles, 50-mile 50 race, or a 100K, which is 61 miles, and then a 100-mile race. 
there are races, of course, that then are past because we are a uh, extreme world and culture that, are, that do also go past 100 miles. But the majority of the races, if you had to go look or you know, travel around Colorado and the, the races that I just broke up, those are the races mostly, the, the ultras that we consider and a lot of people sign up for. Um, and is, so, Is it an obsession? Because I can't imagine training for a 100-mile race. It, it, it becomes, yes, uh, an obsession. To, I, I think that one of the biggest things that I've learned from, you know, you train, say for your, your marathon, a training for a marathon and training for a 50 mile race is very compatible in some ways in terms of the structure in the week and what you have to do on the weekends with your long runs. Now, depending on what program you're running, Training for a 50-mile race versus a 100-mile race is another ball game, just because the sheer amount of time. Now, again, this depends on your, the training protocol that you're going about, but it just requires a lot more time on your feet and weekend training runs that are a lot longer and require a lot more commitment and dedication. Yeah. So, so talk about mindset, because I know what it was like to think, oh, 20 miler today. And you, I, who knows what your training is like, but even or day of race, pushing past those boundaries and those walls and the mental blocks and saying, I can't, I don't want to. How do you do it? Yeah, I think part of it is, is like I'm sure you appreciate it with your marathon, is like breaking not only the a race, but the training itself into small, like bite size, like, you know, how are you going to eat an elephant? Like people say, you bite one bite at a time. And I think that when it comes to the training, I can't think about the vast amount of miles you have to put in for the training rather than it is the routine and the systems that you set up around the training runs that help put you in the mindset. For example, I have a, any of my long runs. Now, this doesn't go for my short runs, but for my long runs, I always have a, like a sort of, I would say, call it a routine. Everything from I get up in the morning, I stretch, I drink water, uh, I start getting my food ready, eat my oatmeal. After I eat my oatmeal, then I start putting on, maybe there's a motivational YouTube clip or a motivating audio book that I start listening to, and then I continue doing stretching. That helps put me in condition my mindset where it's not focusing on, oh my God, today I actually have to go out and run 30 some miles for my training run. It's actually just listening, right? And it's putting me in a good mindset to go, oh, this is just another day, Jason, and part of your training. You're going to go out and you're going to have fun. And lastly, with that, it's, I try to have fun and remember it's a choice. And, and my partner, Kate, will always remind me too, I'm deciding and choosing to go out and do this. So if you're going to do it, try to at least have some fun and enjoy the process too. You're out in nature. You get to go out and move your body for 10, 15 hours. You should be so grateful that you have that time to do that. I think what you've really touched on, though, is you've created rituals and then to know your why. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. 100%. So then how can you transition the mindset and the training, everything you do with your runs, into how your lifestyle has changed? I think that, you know, what's amazing about the body, right. And why I'd be curious to know why you decided to, you know, I think we talked a little bit, but you know, why you decided to run a marathon. Cause I think the body at times is a good vehicle to change your mindset, right? There, there's a reason why, you know, Tony Robbins has you go walk on fire or people actually do a lot of training for marathons or let's, let's break it down. What if it is your first half marathon and you've never ran before? Once you do that, 
you start feeling like you're unstoppable. Like you can do anything that you set your mindset to. You just then have to take that into another area of your life. And you do that through what you just said. And that is, what is the reasons why you are doing X, say it's for job or work? And then what are your habits and rituals around that? And then, you know, how are you going to overcome the obstacles and roadblocks that come both in not only in marathon, but also in real life? Right. Um, and both of those marathon ultras teach you those lessons and, those, and, the, and the grit to stick with it. I think for me, I learn and strengthen my mindset by doing physical work. And so by me pushing past my perceived limits or boundaries physically, it makes me realize, and if I'm in a tough time, I can kind of jump back into that, that time where I had that runner's high or whatever to push me through to endure, to persevere, whatever. Yes, yeah, so you're, you're using your conditioning, right? You're conditioning, your, absolutely. And that's, I think that that is right. There's a real biological thing too with ultras and, and, and marathons, right? You're getting endorphins, which love them. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm addicted. I traded one addiction for the next. That's ultra running and yoga and movement. Yeah, well, and I think that's a fair thing to bring up that you, we do, right? We all have vices and whether it's, the obsession of running in the ultras or, or your old lifestyle, how do you create more of a balance? Balance as in terms of, because I, I think that sometimes we have to get, uh, be clear on the word balance because it gets thrown around a lot, a lot. So I try to be clear on what you mean by balance, balance in. Well, okay. So for example, somebody who used to be really overweight and obviously their vice was food and stuffing emotions. And now somebody that went to the opposite end of the spectrum that let's say runs marathons all the time or ultras or whatever, now their obsession and, and maybe it's not that healthy of an obsession that they're running. Okay. Here, David Goggins. Yes. Goggins is an animal. He is a beast. And like, I seriously high five that man for what he's endured, but at the same time, that man does not know balance. And he, he refers to himself in the book, Can't Hurt Me, that he's a masochist. So he actually enjoys struggle and pain to push through his own boundaries. Now, I think that's a little crazy. But that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I love that people sometimes when they watch, and you said you watched How to Run a 100 Miles, it brings up, they're like, you should, they're like, oh, you guys are nothing. Look at David Goggins. And I'm like, I'm not David Goggins. I'm Jason Syme, right? I haven't been a Navy SEAL and some of this. So I always think it's funny how people use references to then apply to others. So when, I, when you're bringing, bringing up the word ba like balance, um, I think part of, for me, is an understanding. When you make a transformation, sometimes you have to go to that side Old, the old, you know, old self done. I'm done with you. So I'm over at the extreme. But then once you make that transition, it's an important point to reflect on how do I want to live the rest of my life or life in this knowing that all the aspects of self, one of those is you can't always push, go, 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 go. You have to have, be able to have some balance and love, some self-compassion for yourself to help you reach all the goals. Okay. And this this came up very recently because like we were, we were going to discuss the, the race that I did a couple weekends ago. It was a crazy adventure. Like I never even had, you know, my first hundred mile. It was hot. It was humid. I got lost twice. 
Um, you know, when you're, when you're lost, when you're running an ultra marathon, let me tell you, you really start to panic and go, oh shit, because not only could your race be over very soon, it also is like, <laughs> wait, I got to run a hundred miles. And now I just added, you know, five, six, seven, eight more miles to the race. And I overcome that. I overcame that. I was able to ke- catch back up on my time. And then somewhere around, you know, mile 70 or so, my other, my other ankle, uh, my right ankle this time started to really inflame and swell up. And I started to be able to start, not be able to lose the motion, uh, the range of motion, dorsoflexion with my foot. I couldn't do it. And you need that on single track trails, especially when I still had 30 some miles to go. And the reason this bring, I bring this up is because I had to make the decision and I had done it before in the first ultra I ran 30 some miles. I pushed my ankle. I pushed my boundaries. I was a self masochist. I was David Goggins. I, you know, ran myself to get to that, that finish line. This time, I still had 31 miles left. I looked at my ankle, and it was in severe acute pain. It wasn't just the pain. It's like I have a blister on my foot, or I'm tired, or I'm discomfortable. I had already dealt with all of that. I had to have compassion with myself, so I stopped. And I mean, that was the hardest thing that I've decision in a race that I had to do because I knew I could finish. And it's something I'm still processing in my mind as I have this conversation, knowing that I could have went on to finish. But I do not know, like you said before, how my ankle, I could still be recovering today and having to do this interview sitting down rather than me being at my desk standing right now. So you didn't finish the race. You didn't finish the race. Dang. And now how does that feel? Because for example, your, your ankle situation is like obstacles that we're going to come across in life. And so many people quit and I'm not saying you quit at all, but so many people that the first sign of an obstacle or, or a roadblock, they're going to, eh, okay, I'll quit rather than find a way to go around it, over it, through it. They stop. Yeah. Well, I would say in that race, the, the obstacles they had overcome, it was, it was the hottest and the humid uh, course record. It was the hottest race that they've had since they've been running that race. Was able to deal with that. People were throwing up all over the course. I dealt with, you know, I was able to deal with that and keep moving. You know, I had a ton of blisters on the bottom of my feet. Those are no problem. Um, I was able to actually make up the time. The people that I got lost with, a lot of people were like, oh, no, I'm just going to give up or I'm not going to be able to make the cutoffs. I was like, no, 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 I'm still in this. That meant I had to keep moving and I had to move faster. And I was able to make the, uh, the check of uh, the, the time cutoffs uh, still into the point that I stopped. When it came to the ankle, it was, all right, Jason, it wasn't just the normal, you know, discomfort or pain. It was like I said before, it was acute. So I had to make the decision at the end of this, how do I want to be? And if I'm in the business of having people take care of themselves, self-care, how much have I pushed myself for 31 miles? Is this going to do permanent damage that I do not know? I mean, it took me months to recover from my last ankle and you know my last ankle injury so i had to consider that and i was like no i've done this before i'm going to try to learn my lesson on what i can do so i can do this again and live to you know do another day rather than damn it just go i got an awesome belt buckle and i finished now all that training the people that came to crew me and pace me i mean it was heartbreaking to see my partner when i said I think I might have to stop like she, cause she was so excited. Cause I was making up time. I was like meeting this, the cutoffs. And it was like, you know, that time I've been going for 24 hours. You don't want to stop. Yeah. But I had to. Okay. So good for you then. Cause I think Goggins would have just pushed through and been like, ah, fuck it. I'll run with a broken foot. 
Yeah. Okay. So what are your takeaways from this race or, you know, what are the things that you teach wellness and, and mindset through your clients? Yeah. I think when I used to give my uh, a talk, um, when I talk about ultra running or I talk about goals, you always hear commit, right? You always hear commit to whatever the goal is. And I think that I would add a plus to that. And that would be commit to whatever the goal is. Don't turn back. The caveat, you also have to commit to taking care of yourself. And there's a fine balance within that. And I learned that on the, on the race. Um, and so I think with anything, whether it's you running your own business, you starting a new job, you starting a family, of course, there's going to be times when you're sort of out of balance, but you have to remember how you're taking care of yourself and put that as a priority because I hope like you, I want to live to be a hundred. So if that's my goal, I don't want to live to be a hundred and then be 50 of those years in a wheelchair because when I was 40, I decided to run this race and just push my body through to a limit that I knew that caused big damage. Um, so I think that's one thing. I also think that I focused on a lot, you know, going into the race, I'm sure you'd, ch- you'd probably, how many times did you check the weather during the Denver marathon? Were you checking it a few times? Oh man, I was stressing. I was like, please just no matter what, don't snow. And one of my trainings, I literally ran in a blizzard just so it, I had to experience it. Right. But I, I crossing fingers and I was like, don't be 90 and don't snow. And it ended up being a cooler I think it had rained overnight, but actually we, you know, it was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. And great, right? Yeah. I think anyone signing up for a race starts checking the weather obsessively, right? They want to know that's part of the conditions that you cannot control. Um, we've had a cool, like, spring somewhat and a cool sort of summer as compared to Denver. And so when I started looking at this, the forecast, it was going to be in the 90s. And I barely had any days to train uh, in that. And so one day I saw that it was 95 and I'm like, Oh my God, how can, you know, 95 for that long of time, that is a lot. And so I finally just was like, I'm done looking and focusing on that. What I'm going to do is focus on everything that I can control. And so for people in life, sometimes I think there's like, what are the, all the small things that I can do to make the situation better? So I talked to my crew about ice fluids, liquids, I went out slower. I went out like a turtle. <laughs> so like part of my strategy was to go out very slow when it was that hot, right? Knowing that I was going to be out there for over 24 hours. So I think sometimes figuring out in life, like what are all the small or as James Clear and Atomic Habits would say, you know, the incremental or small gains that you can do that have an impact uh, over the course of say a hundred miles over six months or three months, whatever your goal may be. I think the key that you touched on there is to realize what you can control. Cause I think that's what so many people get wrapped up in all the outside circumstances and worrying, which gives you something to do, but gets you nowhere. So I, I love that you stepped on that. Okay. So then <clears throat> in this overall conversation, what is the number one takeaway you want listeners to get? I mean, I think the the number one thing that I would want people to get is, you know, you have to push yourself. If you want to grow, right, you have to get into an uncomfortable spot. You have to be able to find ways that work with you that put you in a little comfort zone. Sometimes that is a public speaking. Sometimes that's signing up for your first 5K or sometimes that is signing up for a dance lesson. Whatever it means, you have to start pushing some of those boundaries to help you grow as a person. 
There is always a caveat. A thing with that is that is, you know, the priority when you're doing these things is also to prioritize and taking care of yourself. But knowing this discomfort and some of the growth things that you go through is part of taking care of yourself so you can get through those roadblocks or those limiting beliefs, the stories you've been told or that others have told you that will help you fully achieve your full potential, shine in the world, right? Have others attract to you. And, and that doesn't, that's not going to happen if you just sit on the couch and never push those boundaries. Yes. Yeah, I'm all about that. Busting through your comfort zone and let fear fuel you, not rule you. Absolutely. Love that. Okay, I have a couple of rapid fire questions for you I'd like to ask. And the first one being, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Um, okay, okay, one on my phone, I was like, what am I going to say? There's so many you want to say. You know, there is stay hungry, stay foolish. What, what does, now wait, what does that mean? That's a good, so, you know, I first heard this in, I think it was in Steve Jobs' commencement speech. There was a, a magazine that he quoted where the last magazine on the back page said, stay hung, stay, stay foolish. I mean, is it like, I can't get comfortable in some of the decisions I make. I got to stay hungry after that goals. And sometimes when you get comfortable, you're not willing to make a bold decision. And that's where like, yeah, you got to be a little bit foolish in terms of like make, make a decision that you're like, uh, it's not always comfortable, but also pushes you. So always hungry to get after the next thing. And sometimes you got to make a decision like, mm, I got to go after this. I so that's it. the back drop of my phone. Love it. Love that. Uh, second question would be, what is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? A book I'm currently reading. Well, if I'll say two things. Um, one, I'm currently for... Um, if you're big into food or big on understanding more about diet or nutrition, there is a fantastic book that I've been uh, reading called Deep Nutrition. Um, it is, I forget the woman's name, but it, it's a fantastic book covering about all of things nutrition and food. And then for me, if people haven't checked out Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, that book is like a Bible to me. I mean, that's like my spiritual Bible book. I've, I reread it. I look at the verses. Uh, you know, I go back to it again for moments in time of my own courage and understanding, you know, what is the meaning of life, knowing that it changes over the, t the, over the course of our life and always coming back to some of those big fundamental questions. What was the name of that book again? Man's Search for Meaning. Man's, okay. I will, I'll Maybe look it up. Frankly. Yeah, it's somewhere, probably in my book bag here somewhere. Final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self? Oh, the people, I would have, started taking care of myself earlier before I got to my, I would say late twenties, thirties, I would have put a more priority on the things of health, wellness, diet. Um, and made that like built that as the foundation of my life and then let everything else grow from there rather than thinking I could push those things aside and then go pursue career or whatever. I would have put those at the foundation because it would have caused me so many less problems <laughs> health issues, money, finances, everything later on down the road. I, I changed my mind. I have another. Will you do another ultra? Yes, I will. I'm mm -hmm. already looking because, you know, I'm trying to take what I learned and seeing what I can apply again. That's awesome. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining me and, and sharing your insight. Thank you very much. It was Heather. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. 
To connect with me further, you can find me on Facebook, Heather Hakes. I am also on Instagram as Heather.Hakes. And I even have a YouTube channel. Guess what? Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.